You're listening to the Corporate Expat Experience. I'm Nicole Caldwell, and thank you for being here today. I'm so excited about today's episode. I met Stephanie, gosh, about a month or so ago mm-hmm. and had such great conversations about the corporate expat experience that I could not wait to get her on here today. So after over 18 years in the corporate world, Stephanie decided to have the corporate expat experience to leave corporate life and to start her own company. And she's going to share details of that with you and so much more. So I want to welcome Stephanie Acker. She is founder and chief experience designer of The Marketing Master. So Stephanie, welcome. Thank you for joining today. Absolutely. And it's actually the marketing mastered. So just All right, master right there. All that's right. okay. <laughs> I think of you as a master. So oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I, you have um, such great stories. I can't wait to talk more about your experience, but tell me a little bit about the marketing mastered <laughs> and what you do. Absolutely. So, um, so what we do is I'm all about trying to help small businesses be more successful. So as anybody that works with small businesses know, they get priced out of everything that, you know, they're struggling over 70% of, of small businesses have three or three people or less on their team. So most small business owners are wearing all the hats, right? And marketing is such a critical piece of their business, but they probably didn't start their business because they are marketing pros or because they love marketing. They start it because they're really great at speaking or cooking or, you know, or esthetician or whatever the case may be. And then they're suddenly expected to run this whole part of their business where they need to learn how to market themselves and grow. It gets really tough and they typically can't afford an agency at the beginning. So what the Marketing Master does is it brings bite-sized training tips and tools to small business owners so that they can learn how to grow and market their business, but it's all at 10 minutes at a time. So all of our training and our tips and everything is all oriented to little tiny chunks of time. If you have 10 minutes, you can learn something. It's very tactical and specific. And then at the end, there's always a very clear action plan. So here's what to go do next, right? Not So it's not just theory. It's not, hey, social media is great. It's here's how you actually go and optimize your LinkedIn profile. Or here is how you do, a, you know, here are how you do a real, here's five ideas that you could do this week. Or, you know, here's how you write a press release. Or if you're, here's five questions you can go talk to uh, a designer if you're trying to create a logo. And so the idea is that if you can take 10 minutes every week, learn one thing and make one improvement in your business over 52 weeks, over a year, you've made 52 improvements in your business. And that is a drastic impact. It's a membership program. So they can come on anytime, whenever they're ready, learn, you know, at their own pace, because as we all know, we're probably up at three in the morning, like most small business owners. Um, and it's only $14.95 a month. That's amazing because first of all, the value there is huge. I mean, the time savings, and I love the way you framed it, where if you did one thing each week, that's 52 new things in your business. And as you know, entrepreneurs and chief, sometimes chief everything officers, we don't have a lot of time to do that, but we know that marketing is such an important component of our business. So that's fantastic. And it also changes constantly. And that's another challenge I think for small business owners is, you know, um, there's a new thing that you need to learn on Instagram or suddenly this is, or there's an algorithm change and suddenly your website's not getting any traffic and you don't understand what's going on. And who has the time to keep up with that? It's just, it's overwhelming. And we've just talked to so many small businesses that feel like they're going to fail or, or maybe are failing because they don't have $10,000 a month to go work with an agency. And, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, listen, you can do this and you can learn this. And it, it does take a little bit of time and it's all foundational, but it's absolutely doable. Absolutely. No, I love that. You know, let's, I really want to talk to you about how you, you came to this point to have the marketing mastered, right. And to be a marketing master as well. Um, let's talk, let's go back and talk a bit about your corporate experience. What were you doing in the corporate world? Oh goodness. Well, Nicole, what wasn't I doing in the corporate (laughs) world? Um, I was a huge fan of raising my hand, Mm -hmm. um, to just try projects. And because of that, I got like this really broad fun experience in my career. 
most of it was around marketing, client experience design, employee engagement, and sales, um, which realistically are all the same thing, right? They all they all come back and connect. Um, but I, when I left the corporate world, I was running the um, global marketing piece for our like an internal engagement mm -hmm. um, with employees and helping with global brand council. Mm -hmm. And um, I, but I, before that, I had been the chief client officer of our Singapore office, and you know, kicking off our customer experience strategy across Asia. Um, but it all started when I went and actually walked away from a very well-paying job when I was younger. I just knew I didn't want to be doing it. It was actually in recruiting. It was very cold and you weren't really working for the employee. You were working for the employer. Mm -hmm. And I really struggled with it internally. I had heard that Merrill Lynch was hiring, that they were hiring temps. I took a lunch break and went and applied. <laughs> I got a job at like 1195, I think of an hour. And it was only six week gig. And Everybody thought I had lost my mind. They were like, you're making really good money at this other job. You're going to leave to go become a temp at a company that you're making less money at. And I was like, yes, because I'm going to find a way to show them that I'm the right person to keep. And it was the best decision. So I'm really grateful that I was crazy and insane at that time and went ahead and did it. <laughs> You went with your gut and that, I did. that is so good. And that set the, the course for your corporate career and working. You were in primarily in the finance industry. Is I was primarily in the financial industry. I went for Merrill Lynch, John Hancock, and then Manulife, which is John Hancock's um, global. So in doing that, like I said, you set the course for your career and then eventually into becoming an entrepreneur. This is what you do. Let's talk about that. So you, you worked your way up and, and at one point you found yourself moving out of the country for your corporate I job. <laughs> I did very unexpectedly. Um, I actually had just, I'd offered to present at a, at a sales meeting um, and there happened to be the head of Asia in the audience and I had no idea. So I suddenly get a phone call my, once he gets back and they say, Hey, Philip wants to talk to you. And I was like, great. Had no idea who he was. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. Uh, sure. I'll have a coffee with him. And he was coming back in town and we met and he was like, listen, you know, I've done my research and I really want to start client experience and differentiate ourselves and in Singapore and over in Asia. And why don't you come over and, and do a, a corporate expat situation with us? And I was gone six weeks later. So I had never been out of the United States. I did not have a passport until that moment. Um, my very first time out of the United States was actually getting on that plane to leave for Singapore. So I just want to be clear when you said you had your corporate expat, you were expatriating from your home country, the U S mm -hmm. Singapore working for the company. So they had That's a program, right. not the same as, as our corporate expat, where we're leaving the corporate world and leaving being an employee to entrepreneur life. Right. So you're still working for the cup for a company That's right. and going I'm still working for them. For and that's amazing. Your first time out of the country. I mean, I'm sure that <laughs> that's was crazy. I bawled hysterically going down the like <laughs> for the poor people helping me on the plane. I literally was bawling hysterically going down the runway to the plane, just mainly because I don't like heights. And it was at nighttime and all of a sudden it hit me that I was flying over the ocean for 20 hours. And I was like, but they were great. It was Singapore airlines. They were fantastic. But yeah, it was, really, it was, I mean, but it's, it's probably the scariest, craziest, well, starting my own business. But before that, one of the scariest, craziest things I've ever done and the best decision I absolutely could have made for myself at that time. That's amazing. How did you prepare for actually being an expat in that traditional sense? How did you prepare for that? So um, because I was moving so quickly, I didn't have an opportunity to go do a look-see, right? So they wanted me to get over there in six weeks. So typically you go do a look-see trip. Um, you, you know, you find your apartment, you kind of get a sense of the environment, et cetera, meet your team. Um, but I said, look, it's just too quick. And I really need to spend some time with my family. And wrap, I was working on a big project. I need to wrap this project up. And I'm going to go and I'm going to love it. And if I don't love it, I'll figure out a way to love it. So it's going to be fine. But what I did do is I did reach out to some people that had done expatriate, that had been expats before, and just said, you know, kind of what can I expect from the process itself? I'm so grateful that I did that. I know because one of the things everyone told me, every single person I talked to that had been successful at it said, listen, you're going to get over there and you're going to be thrilled. And it's going to be this high and it's going to be amazing. And then right around day 90, you're suddenly going to go, 
what have I done? And it's going to really freak you out. And it's going to really, it's going to really shake you. But if you can get through that moment, you're going to make it. But if you can't, that's when people fall out of the expatriate situation. And actually a ton of people fail, right? And they were, well, I don't want to fail. They just go, this isn't right for me. I've got to go back. And so they were like, just, just know it's coming and then you can deal with it. Well, I get over there, everything's so great and wonderful. And it's such a, you know, shiny, interesting life. I'm like, I'm never going to have that moment. It was like day 93, just boom. And it was, and it was, it was very shocking. I remember I was walking in the middle of downtown, which is absolutely gorgeous. What have I done? You know, I miss everybody. This is, this is insane. I can't talk to anybody because it's such a huge time difference. And it took me a good couple of weeks to get through it. And I talked to a couple of people and I did, and I'm, I'm so glad, but if I hadn't known that it would have shaken me so much because it makes you question your gut and who you are. And you make, you go, okay, well, maybe I need to be listening to this. So I'm grateful that I was able to talk to some people beforehand. So you went from honeymoon period of everything is wonderful. This Mm -hmm. is amazing. I'm in this whole new realm, this whole new place to it just hitting you while you're going for a walk. What have I done? Absolutely. I remember during that little time period, I love diet Dr. Pepper. It's the only soda I drink. It's really the only thing I drink except for coffee and water. Well, and maybe a little wine. Um, And I had been, I was in Hong Kong. So I had taken a trip up there for work and I walked by this little store, kind of like a 7-Eleven. And I saw a bottle of Diet Dr. Pepper, which is very hard to find in Asia. And I just started bawling. Like when I'm not a big crier. So I was like, Diet Dr. Pepper. and people, I'm sure people around me were like, what is happening with this extremely pale, loud American? Um, I was so thrilled. I went in and bought every bottle they had. And I just, it, it just felt like home for a minute. Right. And you, and I had to find those things. I had somebody send me the little, um, I know people hate candy corn, but I love the candy corn pumpkins. I love the texture of them. Mm-hmm. So somebody shipped them to me from America, which is, and it was unexpected. It was such a great moment to open that. Like, you know, and you just find the little things and I could only go back once a year. And, but then I just fell in love with it. That's amazing. And, you know, I love what you're saying about having those moments, the stages, because we're going to talk about that in a few minutes about how those are very similar as an entrepreneur going through those same as a corporate, absolutely through those same stages you wouldn't think that a little thing like a diet Dr. Pepper spotting one would make you just ball and go into tears and, and out of excitement and frustration and the whole, you know, mix of feelings, mm-hmm. but it does happen. Definitely, It does. Absolutely. And it's very similar to running your own business. You know, um, like you said, I mean, that's, that's probably going through that process has really helped to prepare me to be my own, like to be an entrepreneur and be a business owner, because it is a, it's a daily, it's a roller coaster. We all hear that, but it's a, it's an hourly roller coaster, right? And so learning how to navigate that and to understand that it's normal so that you don't really beat yourself up and you don't start getting in your own head is really, I think that's, was a very helpful experience for me. Well, I think also too, you were saying that you did some research. You didn't have time to go, you know, check things out whenever you expatriated, mm-hmm. but you did some research, you talked to some people and as we've talked about before, that's very similar to the corporate expat experience. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this podcast to everyone was to be able to give a bit of a look-see, but, you know, um, to get a view and to hear from people who've done it, who have left mm-hmm. employee, uh, being an employee to moving to an entrepreneur, give them a taste of it, but hear the good, the bad, the ugly, the whole thing. I want to hear about how, so you had your honeymoon period, then you had Mm -hmm. that moment, but you were acclimating, right? And absolutely. Mm -hmm. what happened that, what was that compelling event or what made you decide that you wanted to leave your corporate life and move on to become an entrepreneur? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, (laughs) it's an interesting story. I'll, I'll preface it by saying that my, my best friend is okay. Um, but my best friend and her fiance were in the Boston bombing and they were very, very hurt. Um, so I had actually, I was in Singapore. I had just taken a job that was going to be all Asia. So I'd already signed the contract for it. Um, but probably about six or eight months before that I had started feeling like, listen, this job feels very sexy. And I, you know, I'm going and having champagne at these gorgeous places and traveling everywhere and meeting all these really cool people. 
and that's fantastic, but it felt, so it felt like a magazine lifestyle. And then I started realizing, but it feels just as thin as that piece of paper that the magazine is printed on. And so I was already having some internal, am I doing the right thing? I mean, I'm being very successful, but I miss my family. And, you know, and then I got the phone call that she had been hurt and it was just, it stopped my whole world. So it took me three days to get back because it's such a long trip and to try to get on the plane and everything and all the changes. And obviously I couldn't talk to anybody while I was on the plane. And I just spent the entire flight back going, what am I really doing? Like I, it, I really went internal and just like, I didn't talk to anybody for like three days and just shut down. What am I doing? Is this the right thing? What if this had been my dad and it had taken me three days to get back? Like, thank God somebody called me that they took the time to call me and let me know, you know, and, and am I on the right path here? Like who cares about this great title and all the money and la la la, if I can't be with the people that I really care about. So I came back, I was here, uh, I was in Boston, uh, for a couple of weeks with her, went back to work and just walked in, talked to my, and went into my, my president and said, listen, I understand if you might have to fire me. I understand that's the case because I've just signed a contract. I can't do it. Here's why I have to go home. She luckily, we're absolutely not going to do that. I will find a way to get you back. So they moved me back to Boston and I took on a global role that was remote. So I had just traveled everywhere. And then I decided to move back home to Greenville, South Carolina, where I live now. Since it was remote, I wanted to get closer to my family. I knew I wanted to do my own thing for, but I thought it would be kind of later in life. Moved here, fell in love with it. I ran as fast as I could after high school to get out of this place. Now I adore it. And after a year, I decided it was time to go. To leave your job. To leave my job. Yeah. Sorry. That's a long, that's a long story, but yeah, that's good. No, it's good because it wasn't just about being in another country. It was also just wanting something more, doing something different. Absolutely. And, and trying to you know, it was just such a shocking moment in my life too. And I've had a couple of them um, and I'm really grateful for them. In the moment, you're not grateful for them at all, right? And it's so, it's it just, it's really discombobulating and it shakes up everything, but it really just clarified what do I care about here, right? Because if those are the things that I care about, am I aligning my life to have those things? And, and I wasn't. And that was the case, right? I was aligning my life to have this really successful corporate career and that's great, but I wasn't aligning my life to have any of the other things that really mattered to me. And I knew that there wasn't really a way to do both in the way I had been moving. And so I made the decision I had to get out. So when you made that decision, what happened then? Was it kind of an immediate thing or did you create a plan to, to transition over? I did. So uh, it was an immediate thing with the Singapore thing. So that, that happened in in April. Um, So I, and my, my contract, I was supposed to move to Hong Kong at the end of the year. So they started working with me to get me back over. So I I came over at the end of my contract, just like normal. They were great. I was very grateful for them. My boss was fantastic. They created a job for me in the, the global office, which was really helpful. So I knew I wanted to get back to the States, but I didn't know really kind of from there what else I needed to do. I knew that I wanted to be closer to my family. So that was something that had really shaken me up and my entire family lives down here in the South. So I spent pretty much the first year thinking through what should I do? You know, should I move? If I do, what does that mean? And then again, I kind of did the same thing. Went into my boss and said, listen, I understand if you have to fire me. (laughs) But I'm moving to South Carolina. I do this job remotely now and travel everywhere. I can move right beside an airport. I'm happy to do it. If that doesn't work, I completely understand. But I need to be closer to my family at this point in my time. Um, And so they let me move down here, which was great. I was one of the first people kind of true remote in the company. And I just started putting a plan in action. Like once I got down here and really saw how phenomenal the small business community is in this area in the upstate and how critical it was, I was meeting a lot of people. And seeing how people were struggling. And I had a lot of people coming up to me asking for advice from like a marketing standpoint. And I was like, well, I could really help people here and and it could be meaningful and I could love it. And I could do something that creates abundance for other people, um, not just for a corporate office. And so that's, that's what I did. I think that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with when they are an employee, they think about doing something different, but they're not always sure. There's some people who have a passion that they absolutely want to follow, 
but there's many people who are like, I would love to get out and do something different. I just don't know what it is. And then I wouldn't even know how to monetize it. Right. Did it take a while for you to kind of figure that out or was it, no, this was coming in fast and furious, right? Well, I went through quite a journey. So my first business that I started was actually not the business that I really wanted to start. So I started to listen to myself. I created something that was a gap here and, and we could monetize it. It was doing really well. It was very successful. And then I started working with a potential business partner that really did not go well. He's actually currently getting sued and not by me, but by plenty of other people. And I ended up having to close the business. Like, well, what happened is I ended up in the hospital from working like insanely. I just beat myself to death trying to make it work. And I ended up in the hospital and the doctors pretty much went like, by the way, you aren't going to be here in six months if you don't make some really serious changes. I knew that there was no way to continue to grow that business. I either needed to scale it and get investors or shut it down. And I said, look, I can't, there's no way for me to keep moving like this. I'm going to shut it down and get out because of what was happening with the investor partner. And I went into a really solid depression after that, because suddenly I felt like I'd really failed. Oh goodness. I'm getting so like, <laughs> just being really honest. Like I, I was like, what is happening? You know, I felt like I disappointed everybody. I disappointed myself. I had saved up so much money to start my business. Um, you know, and I had, had burnt, had burned through it, of course, because it's a small business. You've got to have money ready to go. It took me a while to kind of sit back on my heels and just go, okay, hold up. But what I had been doing that whole time when I was running that business is I had been consulting for small businesses. A lot of people have been approaching me for help. I couldn't really get into it because I was so busy running this other thing. And the game plan was eventually for me to kind of sell off that side of the business and go into the consulting. So one day I was just like, well, that's essentially what I've been doing this whole time. And I love it. Why can't I just do that? And I just started small and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and referrals. And from that, we realized this is where the marketing master came in because, you know, we're helping these smaller businesses that can work with a smaller agency, but that still takes out an entire portion of a small business community. And I said, you know, I'm really passionate about it and I love it and I can help and I've got all this experience. So why don't I bring it to people in a way that they can afford it and they can digest it. And that's what I've done. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's so important to hear these stories because many times, first of all, what we start off doing as entrepreneurs isn't where we might be in six months, a year, three years, right. right? It changes. I mean, even for me, when I left the corporate world, I, I was just taking a break and I've shared this so many times, but mm-hmm. I was just like, I want to take a break. I want to travel and I'll figure it out. And I had an idea of something I wanted to do that seemed to be taking longer. And in the meantime, I, I was doing some performance sales, performance coaching and some executive coaching. And I was like, Oh, I have a business here. So let's have this evolved. And it, and it has, it's evolved over time, but I think also letting go of something, sometimes it frees you up energetically as well so that you can move on to something else or something else can flourish because you're spending all that time, right. With on something that maybe is not what you really want to be doing. And, and it was, again, it was something around, you know, and I think this is a really, hopefully a helpful lesson for someone thinking to come out of the corporate world is I did something that I knew was a gap. I knew it was a business opportunity um, that I liked. I certainly liked it, but I, I didn't have the passion for it, right? I didn't have the, the super excitement for it. And it's tough. If you're going to come out and be an, you know, an entrepreneur, you're going to work hard. I mean, this is, this is a, it's, it's a hustle, right? It is a hustle. And if you don't like, really, truly like what you're doing, it's going to, it's going to kill you. It's going to burn you out. It's going to kill who you are. It's, it's a very different kind of world from the corporate side where you say, Hey, well, I feel like all I do is push buttons or whatever the case may be. But when you're doing it for yourself, you have to motivate yourself every morning. You're the one that gets yourself out of bed. And if you're getting out of bed to go do something that you really just, it doesn't give you any fire and it doesn't fill you back up because you're putting so much out to the world, you're going to get drained and you're going to be done. So that was a big lesson for me. Um, And I took my time the second time to be like, okay, I'm going to be a lot smarter. I'm not going to scale as big. I don't want to be big. I don't take clients that I don't like. That's a big thing. I'm very big on, you know, attraction marketing. And I try to attract the people that I think I'm really going to be able to help and that I'm going to enjoy working with. If I don't enjoy working with you, I'm going to fire you as a client. 
Um, and that takes, that takes time and kind of, you know, some experience to be able to be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, but otherwise, what are we doing? Right. right. I mean, you're just making money. That's great. Great. Making money. But you know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, this is your life. I don't know any entrepreneur that isn't highly driven by their job, by what they do. It's not, you know, just a huge portion of their life. There is no, you cut off at five o'clock. It just doesn't work that way. Right. You, you know I mean? It just, it's got to fill you up. It has to. Absolutely. I have so many times where people say, oh, well, I want to become an entrepreneur because I just want to work 10 hours a week. And I said, you're still going to work 40 plus hours a week. You just get to choose which 40 plus hours a week you want to work, right? Exactly. Exactly. And if you need four hours off in the middle of the day, you take it. That's what you do. But if you need to work at one o'clock in the morning, that's what you do. (laughs) So what are some things, Stephanie, that you wish you had done earlier as an entrepreneur? I really wish that I had built a network here earlier in my, that job after I'd moved down, I was traveling every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. So while I was here, I wasn't really here. And so I should have used that time to build more of kind of like a connection of people around me and the entrepreneur community to find some more mentors. Cause the mentor that I had was, you know, far away was actually over at, was moving into Australia And I should have done that because again, kind of that same idea of being an expat where somebody said to me, you're going to hit day 90 and this is going to happen. And so many people told me that, that when it happened, I was prepared. So I I knew it was coming. I could kind of, I could gird my loins as I say, but I didn't have that from an expat or from a, you know, corporate expat standpoint. That was really a struggle. I wish that I had done that more because I could have turned to people and said, are you experiencing this? Does this feel normal? You know, I feel like a failure at nine o'clock and then I'm killing it at 11. And then at 12 o'clock, I go, what am I doing? And at three o'clock, I'm like, this is amazing. And then what, once I finally realized that is completely the journey, that would have been really helpful. Yeah, definitely. I can see that for me as well. It's, I talked to some of my former colleagues in the corporate world. I love them. I have so much respect for them and we love, we have great conversations, but they don't get the entrepreneur experience, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're like, yeah, I have nothing to relate to that or to be able to, um, to have those conversations about the roller coaster ride. So finding those like-minded people, the people who are out there doing their thing, running their business, having that network that your tribe, so to speak, to go so helpful. It's so helpful. Cause that's a big difference. I think between the corporate world and the entrepreneur world too, is like in the corporate world, you're kind of automatically given a network and you find a lot of colleagues and typically you find a lot of friends and people that are very aligned with you in the corporate world, because you're working with a gr- bigger group of people. Well, when you go out into an entrepreneur world, like that's just, it's just not handed to you anymore. So you have to work harder for it, but you also get to select it, which is phenomenal, right? You get to choose it's kind of like, you don't get to choose your family, but you do get to choose your friends. So kind of a similar idea. That was fantastic. So once I started really understanding that and getting you know clear on that, I have been able to meet some of the most amazing people I've ever met that are so encouraging and creative and real and authentic. And when they're struggling, they call me. And when I struggle, I call them. And you know, when we get together and do brainstorming sessions and it's been amazing and that, and that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken the jump. Well, and I think that's where one of the parallels to being an actual expat, moving to another country, finding people that in that realm, in that area, that world that can help you navigate the waters, help you mm-hmm. find the resources to solve different problems. It, it's really the same in the entrepreneur space. So. Absolutely. Because you need those, those good neighbors, so to speak, right? To Absolutely. On and go to and, and help and to receive help from. So I agree with you. That was one thing that I wish I had done earlier as well. Are there any other things that you would suggest too? Or- I, I would think, um, and this has really come to me quite a bit lately. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, you know, I try to fill myself up with things and listen to people that motivate me. Um, and one of the things, and then I could try to kind of process it and think about it. So one of the things that's really kind of hit me lately is learning to be okay with failure and thinking about it differently. So I'm a perfectionist and I know a lot of, I'm a, I mean, I'm classic type A and I'm sure most exactly right. A lot of entrepreneurs are, 
So we have such high expectations of ourselves, more so than anybody else really has of ourselves. Um, so to me, failure is, it is not doing what I said and getting it done, regardless of it, if it's doable or not, if it's the right thing, right? That's how I, kind of I was. And what I've learned through this process is there's such a thing as failing forward. Like you're going to fail. Things are not going to work. And that happens for everyone. If it doesn't, you're not learning. I really believe that. Like there's no way everything you do is just automatically going to work because you're not learning from it or you're forcing it too hard or it's not evolving uh, in the way that it could. So I had to learn that sometimes failing was exactly what I needed to go, okay, so why did it this work? What can I do better? And then I could fail forward. And then you realize, oh, and sometimes that was like the best thing that pivoted me. And then that's how I would get, you know, something else would happen that would get successful. And you got to remember that if you're following people on Instagram and influencers, et cetera, you're seeing all the success and that's great, but you're seeing the one success out of the 20 failures, right? Because nobody's putting that on Instagram and on TikTok. But the reality is, is that's, it's just like life, right? We, we put on makeup before we take our pictures, but do you walk around like that 95% of the time, right? Like you're probably wearing yoga pants at home if that's what you want to wear. So it's the same idea and, and getting comfortable with that and looking at it as part of the journey, I think is really big and almost embracing it in a way, like being like, okay, what could go wrong? What am I going to learn from this that didn't work? And as long as you can do that, you can just keep getting better. I love that. And I'm trying to remember there's somebody, and I think it was Sarah Blakely who founder of Spanx, who Mm -hmm. said that her dad would ask her, what did you fail at today? And I love that question, right? That's such a good question. And he would be actually a little disappointed if she hadn't failed at something, because that meant that you hadn't, you know, tried something you hadn't Mm -hmm. put yourself out there. And I think that you know, embracing failure and failing forward is such a key component of the entrepreneurial mindset Mm -hmm. that you have to embrace that because it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Absolutely. I mean, like even thinking in my first business, like, you know, for a while, like I said, I got really depressed about it. And I mean, I was just very blown off my path. I think is the way of thinking about it. I look back at it now and I am so unbelievably grateful that that's what happened because I wouldn't have made it. I mean, I was killing my health. I was doing something that wasn't filling me up, right? I wasn't doing, I didn't have any space to go and help these small businesses was what I was really passionate about. And it took something painful for me to make that shift in my life. I am unbelievably grateful for it. So if you're not comfortable with some risk, I think that's, uh, that's one of the things when people ask me if they should kind of move into the entrepreneur world, I'm like, look, you gotta be comfortable with risk. Now you don't have to be risky, right? I'm not saying that, but you've got it. You can't be risk averse, right? Because you're going to have to take the risk. You've got to, you're putting yourself out there in every way possible. And you've got to be comfortable that sometimes that's not going to work because you don't have a path to follow and that's okay. What do you learn from that? And then how do you pivot and then keep going? Yeah. And that's being able to pivot. And you've, you've demonstrated that you've talked about that, um, being able to pivot your business, do something different, but pivot your mindset as well mm-hmm. to embrace that failure, to look at it as a positive thing and be grateful for it. I think that's a game changer. I also agree with, you don't have to be risky, but you need to be able to take risks and mm-hmm. take, you know, because that's what it is. It is taking a risk. It's, it's betting on yourself. And such a good point that you brought up about, you know, when people are considering being an entrepreneur, these are some of the things that they should be thinking about. And if they, if they're not quite there yet, I mean, I think there's different ways that they can get help too, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to, to start to develop that entrepreneurial mindset, talking to people who've done it, as you mentioned before, listening to podcasts, learning opportunities, mm-hmm. all of that really helps. Most communities have some type of entrepreneur or small business community that you can get involved in in some way, shape or form. I've seen a lot of people be very successful by trying a side hustle first, right? Now, granted, you're working a lot and I know that that seems tough too, but the, what they learn from that typically is either they can grow it into a business and they can walk, right? And they're much more comfortable or they learn a lot of these other things that they need to learn before they make the big jump. I think that's, I've seen a lot of people be, do really well with that from the corporate world. 
That's such a good way to kind of try it out. And almost like in the expat experience of moving to another country, going and visiting, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit kind of the same thing. You're kind That's of right. your toe into it, see what it feels like starting getting in the motion, learning the different cultures of the new experience, the new language and the pacing. And it's totally different. Which is exactly the same, leaving employee mm-hmm. life, being an entrepreneur, it, there's new language to learn, there's new mm-hmm. skills to pick up, there's different traditions and cultures, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to, you know, be in front of your computer at your desk from nine to five, you pick again, you know, which 40 hours a week you want to work. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, like we're recording this on a Sunday morning, exactly. right? And both of us, because we've got a lot going on and we're going to do fun things after this and I'm going to a festival and everything, but you know, I've got work that I got to get done, but I love what I do. So I'm lucky because I'm, I woke up this morning, like I'm getting on a podcast. It's so exciting. And I was um, excited when I woke up this morning, yeah. I get to do a podcast with Stephanie today. This like is- that's, I'm, we're lucky, right? But it's because we've been able to, to find that, those things that fill us back up. So I think that's really critical for people. The other thing that I wish somebody had told me that I now help with my clients is look, you know, cause again, a lot of people reach out to me from the corporate world, which I, I know they do for you as well. It's all about the seasons in, in life, right? It doesn't mean right now might not just be the right time. It doesn't mean you're not an entrepreneur and it doesn't mean that you're not going to do it. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to be super successful, but you've got to look at and think if I'm looking at my life, my family, my time, my energy, money, all my health. When is the time you're never, it's never going to be the perfect time. Just like having kids, you know, like it's just going to happen, but are there enough things in in alignment that it's going to be able to support me so that I've got kind of this padding around me when it's time to go. And if not, that's okay. Because you know what, you could make it happen in a year or two years or five years. It's all about those phases in life. You don't have to stay in the corporate world forever to be successful. You don't have to be an entrepreneur forever to be successful. There's so many options. You can do both. You can flip back and forth. Um, You know, if you become an entrepreneur, I tell you what, we both know this companies come after you like crazy because you, you know, you just have a different skill set. You have a different mindset that you're going to be able to bring back. You know, it's just, it's part of the ride. Absolutely. And that's such a good point because when you do go over and become an entrepreneur, you've run your business. And I I have clients who've done this, who have said, you know, I got to a point where I accomplished the things I wanted to, or it's a time in my business where either I need to scale or I've had opportunities come up Mm -hmm. that I really want to consider because they're really cool new experiences for me. You do come back with new skills when you repatriate into, when I say corporate, I mean, it can be an employee, right? Working for any company or somebody else, but you come back with new skills, a fresh set of eyes, something different. And so I love that you brought that up, that there's seasons for everything and nothing is necessarily permanent. You have choice. You do. You have the choice. And like, I think that that is a very freeing thought because I think, especially if you're looking to leave the corporate world, you know, that it's very scary and, and you hear everybody will tell you 50% of businesses fail in their first year. By the way, that's actually not true. That's not a true stat, but a huge amount of businesses do fail in their first five years. And it's because you either don't have the funding set up correctly and you can't figure out your pacing or for a lot of people, it's because they no longer are getting fulfilled by it. Right. And they're not ready to, so they go, I don't want to make this bigger. How am I going to make it bigger? Right. So understanding that and understanding that that's kind of what you're walking out into and and being aware of it, I think is really critical. And it's so scary coming from the corporate world and thinking there's all this risk. You're right. There's just as much risk as you saying you could get laid off, right? The company could get bought or downsized. There's risk there too. It's how much risk can you take at that moment in your life that feels okay for you. And knowing that at the end of the day, Listen, now suddenly you know how to run a business. You know how to do all the accounting and the financing. You know how to go pitch and get business. You've learned, I'm sure you've learned a ton of new skills. You've got new friends. You've got a new connection. A ton of companies are going to want you if you need to go back and that's okay. If that's the right thing for your, in your life in that moment, you can go back and maybe you go back for a couple of years and then you come back and do more entrepreneur. Like it's your path. You get to write whatever plot you want. Absolutely. I love that. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I do love asking the question, what is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? 
my favorite thing. I would have to say I weirdly really like working in my house. So I'm very much so a people person. Um, I'm sure you can't tell. <laughs> I'm pretty outgoing. But I also need a lot of time to reconnect with myself. I've learned that over the years. Um, and there's something about I've I've learned a really good kind of pacing of my of working at home. I have to have a ritual in the morning. I've got to, even if I granted, listen, I'm not gonna lie. Am I gonna maybe wear yoga pants today? Sure. But I'm always gonna put on mascara. It's one of my key rituals because it just in my head makes me think I'm at work, right? I always walk out of my bedroom and close my door so that I, to me, I'm in a different part of my home. And I have really loved that. I didn't like it at first. I felt kind of just too away from everybody. And I, I miss like brainstorming and the, and the crowding of people. Um, and now I just love it. I mean, I can just dive in. I can reconnect with myself. I can breathe a little bit. I love being in my home and creating the space around what I want it to feel like. People say to me like, oh, but isn't it weird that your home is your office? And I'm like, for me, no, because my job is part of my life. This part of who I am and what I do. So I really love that. Let's see. I love the people on this side of the world. So think of all some of the coolest people that you work with in the corporate world, right? With all the ideas and the brainstorming and the hustle and you can get it done. And, and they're the ones out here creating businesses, mm -hmm. right? So if you can find them and you can connect with them, there's so many people you can learn from and that you can have so much fun with. And, um, and it's just, it's, I love to hear people's story and learn about them and everybody's got the coolest story and I'm not trying to learn it while I walk with you to the elevator after a meeting that I've got to go to another meeting, right? Like I'm going to take the time to sit with you and learn it because this is my time. It's my hours, right? And it's your hours. And I can, if I feel like this is important, that's what I'm going to take my time to learn. Um, and I've met some of the coolest people I'll ever meet my entire life through this journey. Agreed. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I think company included. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I've, I've, like I said, I've told like so many people, I'm like, oh my gosh, we totally connect. This is fantastic. So I love what you're doing. So thank you. Is there anything, um, I was going to ask this earlier. Is there anything you actually miss from the corporate world? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, you know, especially at the beginning, like, let's listen, you missed that paycheck, that regular paycheck, yeah. knowing that it's coming is tough. I miss probably more than anything though, having an immediate community around me. Um, I'm big into brainstorming. I, I talk, I like think verbally. So I need to talk it out to really think it through. And sometimes I just crave that. I'm like, oh, I just, I'm not around enough people or I just need to brainstorm with somebody. Recently, I've actually um, have somebody on my team that's brilliant and she's a great brainstormer. And so now we actually do that together. That's been really helpful. But, you know, that is one thing that, I mean, it's just, you have people sitting around, you can turn and say, Hey, I have an idea. Can we talk about it? Or I'm going to go to this meeting or, you know, we, we have a, a set up zoom. Um, so that was tough for me. And I, I have to be really aware of it. But you were able to figure out how to kind of fill that void. Absolutely. By your tribe and hiring people to, and working with people that right. give you that same experience. And getting involved in some of the communities around here, because, you know, we're all looking to support each other. And I'm a big believer that the pie is big enough for us. If we all bake, that's kind of how I think about it. And so it's okay for me to go sit down with you and think of ideas together, right? You might do them too. Okay. There's millions of people in this world. <laughs> Somebody needs my help. That's such a good point. Cause I think a lot of people will get wrapped up in that, that, um, it's very competitive being an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. I look at it as I'm competing with myself, right. To get better every day. There's such a big pie. And I, I love what you said, you know, it's big enough for those who bake, right. Right. For those of us who bake. So yes, <laughs> if you, if everybody's baking, we all get to eat. Exactly. Right? If you're only taking, then that's different. Right. And, and granted, listen, will you, I'm sure you've run into it too. You're going to run into people that you can't, you know, that you kind of can't stand, um, or they're just very, they're super competitive or, you know, it might be, um, just a very negative situation, just like you would in the corporate world. It's the same thing because people are people, right. but you get to pick and choose who you get to spend time with. And when you're an entrepreneur. And you just know that they're, but there's, they're few and far between the vast majority of people like other people care about other people and are just trying to survive. 
And if you can come at it from a very similar energy standpoint with them, you're going to connect and, and you're going to help each other in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. What would be, um, your piece of advice, uh, final words, piece of advice to those who are listening to us today, um, who are thinking about making this jump, uh, to entrepreneur life or who maybe are there and are kind of at that point of, Oh God, what have I done at the 90 days? The, oh my the gosh. Days. I'm at the 90 wow, day moment. I'm never going to, um, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, a couple of things is if you, if you're still in the corporate world, and you're thinking about coming over. I absolutely suggest, um, highly talking, like reaching out and finding some people to talk to people can reach out to me. I'm happy to help. I'm Stephanie at design experience.com. Um, people are, can reach out to me. I know they can reach out to you. There's tons of people in your community that have done it and people are, you'll be surprised how open they will be. If you're truly going to listen to them, not to pick their brain, never do that. People, entrepreneurs hate that statement. Can I take you for a coffee and pick your brain? Right. Which essentially just means, is, can you give me some free stuff? Um, but say, listen, I'm really, I'm really, um, impressed with your journey. And I, I think there's a lot to learn from you and I'm thinking about doing something. And I was wondering if I could get 30 minutes of your time to ask you a couple of questions so that I can learn from your journey and what you have to give. What nice, normal person would be like, absolutely not. I would never take time to do that with you. Um, so I think that helps a lot because you can get a better sense of your community, the people around you, you're already starting to build that connection, right? You have somebody you can start asking questions of. And I think mentally it starts getting you in that mindset, right? Okay. I'm starting to do the things that an entrepreneur would do. Um, so you can start shifting a little bit in your head. If you're an entrepreneur and you're hitting that, you know, 90 day, what have I done moment? I I'm a big fan of grit. Like, look, you got to have a lot of grit to do this because like we talked about, it's not one day's great. And the next day is bad. It's at nine o'clock. It's awesome. 11 o'clock. What have I done? One o'clock. It's amazing. Three o'clock. Oh my gosh. And that's just, and that is just the path because you're running everything yourself. And so knowing that and understanding, okay, so in this moment, can I just gird my loins and keep pushing? I can get through this. And millions of people have done this too. And they have gotten through this moment. But I say that carefully because as my own experience, you also have to be really honest with yourself. If, are you hitting that moment because you're fearful? Because that's totally normal. But if you're hitting that moment because it's not the right thing and you've discovered that you don't like what you're doing, that's not going to change, right? So it is time for a pivot in some way, shape or form. Don't spend your life and hours of your life and your, and your week doing something that you can't stand because there are things out there that you can make money for and that you can love. You really can that we're, we have tons of people, we do it. There are people that do it, but you, you have to figure out what that is. But, but I think you have to be really honest with yourself about it. That is such an important point because sometimes it is the fear that holds us back, whether it's the 90 day or the 10 AM, oh God, what am I doing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just fear. It's the limiting beliefs, the imposter syndrome that's sneaking up on you, right? Oh, the imposter syndrome. <laughs> that's a whole episode. Yeah. That could be its own oh, thing. Yeah. Conversation for sure. But I think also it, it is time to be really honest with yourself and to say, am I doing this for the right reasons? Do I love doing this? Is this something I want to make work or am I just doing it because I told everyone I was going to be an entrepreneur, right. I told everyone I was going to start a business or because I feel like I don't have options. You always have options. And I think getting, I love what you said, because you just need to get honest with yourself if it's happening too much or if it's right. Um, you got to really kind of go, where is this truly coming from? Because if as an entrepreneur, you're constantly pouring out, if you don't have something that's pouring back in, you're not going to, you won't make it. You're going to burn yourself out so hard, right? Because it is that that's, you have to find that flow. And the other thing is, is I think, you know, people really worry about including myself. I used to really get caught up in this, like, oh, if I fail, I'm, and, you know, I'm going to be so embarrassed or, you know, I'm disappoint people and everything. Like you got to get over that. And I know it's hard. It's easy for me to say that this is coming from someone though, that spent years trying to do it. Who cares what they think? 
did you take a risk that they would have never taken to try to do something in your life that they did not take? If you wouldn't go get it, take advice from them, why would you take any type of negative feedback from them? That's so good. Right? So like, who cares? And some of the best people in this world have failed multiple times, right? Some of the smartest people, it's, it's going to happen to everyone, but you're, you've got the guts to get out there and to try it. And if somebody doesn't like it, oh, well, you know what? You're doing something better than them and you've learned from it. You can move to the next step. That is so good. And that next step can take you to some amazing places. Amazing places. If I had not failed, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now. And helping so many people too. And loving it. Yes. And loving loving it. it. Living a life by design, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Stephanie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Such good information here. I really love, especially the embracing the failure that on part of that critical part of entrepreneurial mindset. And I think, um, so many words of wisdom here that I know are going to resonate with my audience and help them moving forward. So where can people find you? Cause I know people are going to definitely want to seek you out. Where can people find you? So if they want to look at the marketing mastered, it's the, or the marketing You can look for me at connect at the marketing You can reach out directly to me, which is Stephanie at design the experience. That's what I'm all about is designing the experiences, design the experience.com. And, you know, just know like there's help. There's plenty of people out there that will support you. Um, there's help if you need to learn how to do marketing. There's help if you need to learn how to learn, you know, lose, leave your business. There's help if you need to learn how to be, do accounting. There's, there's so much out there. So you can do it. It's totally possible. It's just about, is it the right time for you and your life? And is it going to fill your cup enough that you can keep it going? In my opinion, I think those are the two biggest things you've got to decide. That's so well said. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we will definitely have all of your contact details here for our listeners. And thank you. Sorry, I forgot to say, and we are going to have a code specifically for your listeners. Oh, thank you. Right. That'll be corporate expat 20. And so they can put that in, they can get 20% off the marketing mastered as well. Thank you so much. That is so generous of you. I really appreciate that. And I know everyone's going to be so grateful for that. So thank you so much, Stephanie. Such a great episode. And I definitely want to have you back. We have some other conversations we need to have. I know imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a big one. We will definitely have you back for that one. Thank thank you. you I love it. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Corporate Expat Experience. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support this podcast, please hit subscribe, leave a rating and review, share it with others, or post about it on social media. For show notes, links, To connect with guests and more, visit us at corporate-expat.com. And be sure to catch the next episode with more insights and inspiration to support your corporate expat experience. Bye for now.